devil in the detail. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Devil in the Detail, Salford Red Devils independent fan podcast with me, Rob Parks, and joining the show this week, as ever, we've got Paul Whiteside, right Paul? Hey Rob, you alright mate? Good week. Yeah, yeah, it's been alright up to now, yeah, a bit disappointing on Friday night, losing at, at Saints, I thought we might get that elusive win, but you know, I'm looking forward to this weekend, going to Magic on uh, on Saturday, but Newcastle should be good. Yeah, having a traumatic week, me, Paul. Sorry. Yeah, I believe so, yeah, you got attacked, didn't you, by uh, oh, man. Uh, well, basically, like the Bodmin a... monster, or whatever it was. My <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. wife says to me, there's something in the playhouse, which is basically a shed where we keep all my son's toys in. And she says, there's something in there, and I'm like, there's not anything in there. She goes, go and have a look. So I go up to the shed, and I creep up, and hear something rattling about in there, and I think, that's not normal. So I go back to my shed, where I keep all my tools, and I get me big, um, you know, garden strimmer. Have you got your own shed? Well, yeah, I've got my own shed. Wow. Oh, man. Hey, that's cool. I want a shed. Place full and Paul. And that's my place. So right. I got my strimmer, got the wire out. And uh, you know, started revving me, revving me, me string. So I crept up, nice and like quiet. It was about quarter to ten. It was Paul. Like a madman with a chainsaw. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I crept up, and I opened the door, and whatever it was came flying out me, Paul. I changed my chainsaw, my strimmer went everywhere, full. Everything was going mad. So I span round, window went in, roof went in, Paul. Oh, it was like it was like Bruce Willis out of Die Hard, just destroyed everything. Now I've got to fix the fix the, the kids' shed with with my shed, the tools in my shed now. Sounds like a, a bit of a hairy moment, that Rob. And whatever it was, bounced off my chest and then ran off into the bush. Yeah, I saw, been... I saw your bloodstained uh, yeah. sweatshirt. Yeah, never been so scared in my life, Paul. My life flashed before my eyes. Traumatic moment for me. Yeah, it sounds bad, that. It was bad. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm here to. But you're still here. You you survived to tell the tale, Rob. That's the main thing. Exactly. I'm still here. I put I put myself off of the floor and said, "No, I've got to I've got to get back in the I've got to do the next week's podcast." Yeah. Can't, this can't finish me now. It's your duty. <laughs> <laughs> so joining us also on the show this week, we've got Ryan Wilkinson. Right, Ryan. All right, Rob. How's it going? Yeah, yeah. Had a good week. Had a great week, mate. Great week. Uh, we had a lot of feedback uh, last time we were on uh, about your Jonathan Davis impression. Um, lot, you know, a lot of people were quite impressed. Oh God! <laughs> so we're, we're, we might be able to slip it in sometime in this podcast. I'll, I'll do my best, mate. Yeah, I'll see what I can do. So what have we got on the show this week, Paul? Yeah, they've got action-packed show this week, Rob. We've got the news. We've got a reaction to today's press conference with Marwan Kukash at the stadium. We've got the review of the Saint Helens defeat last Friday, and we've also got a preview of the massive weekend coming up, at Magic Weekend at Newcastle. Cool. So what I'll do, we'll, we'll start with the uh, the uh, press conference that Marwan uh, held today. Following that tribunal I was referring to, the RFL initiated uh, an investigation into the affairs of our club, and soon afterwards well, they've um, issued some charges. And um, in, in their findings of that investigation, and I, I need to make this absolutely clear, that they found the club have not breached any salary cap regulations in 2016, so we were clear there. The same applied in 2015. However, they charged us on six things. One, that we breached the 2014 salary cap, and just to protect the, the privacy of players or clubs, et 
etc. I'm not going to mention any names or clubs. I'm just going to refer to them as A, B, C, D, and F. So the second charge against the club was involving player A to do with a car given to him, player B, side payment, four, player C, rent, five, player D, rent, payment. When I say rent, rent that we have made on behalf of the player that we haven't declared in the salary cap. And six, player E, to do with leadership training and payment that has been made to that particular player. And it's the tribunal um, that involved, that I was referring to earlier with Gary, that involved the player E. A hearing uh, took place uh, on the 25th of April at the RFL that took three hours to consider all the cases there, where this particular case took almost two days in an employment tribunal. So for all the cases there to be discussed, you know, to consider the outcome and to come up to a conclusion, it only took three, days, sorry, three hours. The club was found not guilty here. No evidence whatsoever was presented to the tribunal as in regarding their B, so that was dismissed. They claimed that we should have declared a rent payment of 7,000. 500 pounds as in regarding to player C. We should have declared a rent of 10,800. And according to the statement of the player, a total of 32,900 pounds, sorry, 32,200 pounds, I think the exact figure, um, regarding player E. Now, if you add the three sums involved here, the exact amount was 51,200,000 pounds. But I'd like to ask my colleagues at the RFL. Guys, you knew about this in October 2014. Why didn't you take action then? And maybe Mark Green is right in wanting to know why didn't they take action there. In this very file that the RFL produced, there's evidence there, there's written evidence to indicate that the RFL had known about this back in October 2014. And I know they did because I discussed it with them as well. Also, player C, which I believe it's total administrative mistake on our part, which was corrected, was it in March 2015, whatever. It's to do with a rent that we were paying on behalf of a player that we did not declare in the salary cap. But that's totally a mistake. But again, the RFL knew about this and knew about it more than a year ago. Why didn't they do something then? Why wait until basically the end of last year to start an investigation? They didn't need to start an investigation. The information is there in black and white. But nevertheless, that's the decision being reached that they found us guilty. Then, all of a sudden, I get a letter and claims were made in the tribunal that says Salford have exceeded their total aggregate liability of 1.919200 for a period of 109 days. That means we are over the cap by 94,200. Trying to think. You run a live salary cap, 
you monitor that salary cap. You don't allow anybody to go over that salary cap. And even if Salford, on every single day of that salary cap, we're spending the total amount, i.e. the 1.825, the maximum that we could have reached, breached is by 51,000. This is a schoolboy error. There's no way on earth we could have been in breach of the cap by that amount. Now, for the benefit of those, and I'll come back, to, I'll, I'll use this word, for the benefit of those who are not familiar with what's meant by a life salary cap, it's almost like a bank statement, right? You start the season with whatever players you've got. You submit that to the RFL, the salary cap is 1.825 million, right? You go to the RFL and you say, Mr. RFL, this is the players we've got at the start of the season. We'd like to reject. And they'll take the figure of us. And through the season, you move players out and you move them in like every other club. And the salary cap officer will make sure no club exceeds that amount. And in actual fact, and I've got our salary cap position here. And before the meeting, I had shared the information I've got here with one of you guys, Ian. Even if you to add that amount of money to our log or the amount of money we were spending, the amount of money we were spending ranged from 1.75 and sometimes it's 1.622. We only breach the cap of this 1.825 on the 9th of July until the 17th of July, 2014. So during this period, we go above this red line by something like 50K, right? So their claims of 109 days is absolutely ridiculous. And they could, and I'll come back to that in a second. And for me, when I look at why they've done it, I would say they either deliberately misled the judge of the tribunal or they were totally incompetent. So I started looking, why did we breach the cap by 50K during that season, during that time? I always knew we had enough money in the cap to spend money. To those who follow or followed our club, I take you back to May of 2014, in which we had a player called Jake Molani, do you remember him? And he used to be our fullback. And in May 2014, we've also signed, sorry, yeah, 2014, we signed Kevin Locke to come to us in December for the following year. But unfortunately, Jake suffered an injury on the 17th of May, long-term injury, long, you know, and he was out for the season. So I went to the RFL, I said to them, Mr. RFL, we need the overseas spot for Jake, and we need to free room in the cap. Can you please deregister Kevin, sorry, Jake, in order to bring Kevin from Australia? And the answer was yes. And we brought Kevin back. We brought Kevin into the club in July. Now, you would have thought a sensible governing body would have deregistered Jake, then registered Kevin. They've done it the other way around. So on the 9th of July, they've registered Kevin, and only deregistered Jake on the 17th of July, which resulted in the club going over the cap 
for that week. If they want to dispute the facts, right. There's a reason why I said the 9th of July here. Because for you, some of you, I would like you to look at the date in which Kevin Locke made his debut for us. He played at Huddersfield on Sunday that I believe it was the 5th of July. Mr. Arafel, are you telling us that you allowed Kevin Locke to play without being registered? Your salary log full of elementary errors and for a governing body to be producing something like that, I would be embarrassed being part of a sport that's governed by a body, right, that produces a log like this. This log is almost like a bank statement. Just imagine if you received a bank statement. This is what the log says here to me. There's a number of entries here without dates. There's a number of entries here that says to confirm. Guys, this is in 2014. Are you not capable of monitoring a cap, the salary cap? The salary cap is at the heart of the competition. There's players here who are on our cap that were on loan. But nevertheless, if we to accept they've made mistakes and this is what we've got, then this is my argument of why we went over the cap for that time. So really, this is a technical breach and we haven't breached the cap whatsoever. There was another club, they went over the cap by about, not about, by the exact amount of 158,060 pounds during 2014. And we can't, don't even start speculating about the club. Right, this is a live salary cap. And if the, a club goes over the cap, good luck to them. The people who were responsible for monitoring the cap are at fault. And on the 8th of December, a meeting took place in Media City for a coffee. And they turned around and said to this club, no action will be taken against you. Guys, you could understand why I'm so frustrated. A starts here, deliberate misleading of the court by false claims. Looking at our life salary cap, we haven't breached. And still dishing out a six-point penalty. Despite the fact those facts were in their possession almost two years ago. And to bring it and charge us now when we're just getting our house in order is disgusting, to say the least. So where do we go from here? We want to appeal. And last week, we had uh, asked Arafal whether they would consider listening to the appeal or referring the appeal to an independent body that they, they themselves recognize, which is uh, the sports resolution. It's totally independent of Salford totally independent of the RFL. And for a week, we haven't heard from them. But when I spoke to my lawyer this morning, he says to me, we've just heard from them, and they're saying, referring the appeal to sport resolution is under the discretion of the RFL. And they will only make that decision once they had seen the grounds of the appeal. Actual fact, I... You know, there's so many grounds in which we could appeal. And I really wanted to know where is the appeal going to take place before we decide. And I, I just don't know why the RFL needs to see our grounds of appeal in order to make their decision. If nobody has anything to hide, let's take the case to an independent appeal. Somewhere independent, away from Red Hall, and it's, it could only be fair to, you know, it's fair to everybody then.
So in conclusion, before I move into other stuff, I, w I would like to know, or I would like the RFL to come out and answer, give an answer to everybody, why they waited for so long from October 2014 and July uh, 2015, when they had the evidence. Why did they wait for so long to come out and charge the club? Are there other situations? Are they doing the same with other people? And they're only going to charge clubs if it come, becomes public. They had no more evidence now than they did have then. Second point I'd like to know is they need to explain why they have given the hearing wrong figures, i.e. the discrepancy between these two lots. And they need to explain their failure in monitoring a salary cap. And the people who are leading us the likes of Nigel Wood or Ralph Rimmer and Karen Morehouse. And I look at what's going on here and there. The lack of commercial, you know, the income that they're generating. Do I think they are capable of taking us to the next level or facing the challenges we're facing? I don't think so. Look at Catalan. They are, we fund them. If we play Wakefield, for example, my club will bear the travel expenses to go there. If Wakefield come to play us, they pay their own travel expenses. When we go to play Catalan, we have to fund a substantial amount of money for travel. If Catalan comes to play us, we also have to fund their travel expenses. Their participation in the sport, apart from the amount of money they take in, the, in central funding, is costing each club around 100,000 pounds. I am all for growing the sport, not in this country, but uh, in other countries, including in France. But I know 10 years ago, the French said their aim is to have 75% of their players playing for France, qualified to play for France. That's on, on record. I look at the team that we played recently. Eleven of them do not qualify to play for France. That's about 70. In actual fact, it's almost 75% of the players don't qualify to play for France. Nine non-European players. And I'm thinking, hang on a minute. Every team is allowed only seven. How come Catalan is getting 11? Sorry, nine. The number of French players playing in the team is not the 75% we told they were going to be. The government or the RFL, I think it's their baby. Catalan is their baby. And when we look at the discipline, for example, we look at what Dave Taylor has done to a couple of our players, and they just said, no, it's okay. We've queried. If that had happened, if one of our players done it to theirs, would have been a lot more severe that Toulouse are here and they are in championship one. Not against that. As long as it doesn't end up another Catalan, i.e., we fund them, and they're costing the sport money. Straight away, I'm told that uh, actually Toulouse are getting some favors already. And I asked what it is. He says, this person I was talking to says, every championship club gets about 75,000 pounds, I believe. Toulouse gets an access of 200,000. Wow. Where's the money coming from? is coming from Super League. So I'd like to ask the RFL question. 
how come you're given to lose more money than any other championship one? Finally, come back to Toronto. And sometimes I, I really don't know whether to laugh or uh, cry at, uh, at some of the ideas my good friend Nigel came up with. But let's assume it's viable. And he says they will fund everything. And Toronto, and good luck to them, and I hope it does work. Because I'm all, out, I'm all for growth. But we need to do things and we need to be careful. We need to consider, for example, with the French, you know, what are the benefits and what is the costs? They're talking about TV money. Is it going to be similar to the TV money that we are getting out from the French? Does anybody know what the value? No? 50,000 euros a year. That's the value of the TV, French TV money. I hope it's not going to be just 50,000 uh, Canadian dollars with the Canadian. But we're allowing here group of people to go out and sign players. And they already started signing players and coaches, etc. And it is a risky venture. One question I would like to ask RFL. This club you're given a license to, to operate in Championship One, have they provided you with a proof of funding? And if the answer is yes, then my second question, have you got bank guarantees to secure the future of the players that they're signing and the viability of the club for the three years? You know, you look at the purpose of, of the RFL. At the heart of that is the monitoring of the salary cap. If they're not able to monitor that and administer it properly, then they are not. You know, it's, uh, for me, I think the future of the sport rests in the hands of the 12 chairmen of Super League. I've only given a few examples today here of why I don't find them fit for purpose. If you can't monitor a salary cap, then you're not fit for purpose. If you can't act on information that you've received regarding a club allegedly uh, breaching the cap or cheating the cap, as they might have done here in October 2014, then sorry, you're not fit for purpose. One other thing that I'd like to add that demonstrates for, to me that the RFL do look after the interests of the bigger clubs than the smaller ones. And a governing body should be one that looks after the interests of all the clubs, regardless of how big or small they are. If, for example, I had a dispute with a witness regarding a date of uh, a fixture. We had a request from a bigger club, big club. They wanted to move the fixture by one day. He said, no. The RFL stepped in, offered me a substantial amount of money. Well, sorry, I'll rephrase. Offered my club substantial amount of money that I've accepted. And we moved the fixture by one day. I'm talking about substantial amount of money. Well, you've said that you're now seeking a vote of no confidence in the governing body. Have you had any indication from fellow Super League clubs as to whether you'd get any sort of support? There's a lot of support. Okay? And it's something, you know, uh, I will be very, working very, very hard. I believe it's the right time. It's now or never. Um, in the past, there's been many cases 
against, uh, you know, or many moves to do similar things like this. And so it always reminded me of like a snowball effect. You know, it keeps growing, 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 then you leave it for a bit, and the snow will melt, melt and go away. And you'll have to start again. If you did manage, if they did manage to overthrow them or whatever, where does the spawn go? Would you like to? I gave you a clue earlier on by saying the future of this sport lies in the hands of the 12 chairman of Super League. I think Super League should have full control of its finances, its compliance unit, refereeing the lot. I have no intention being the leader of the move. I don't know, I'm the least, probably the least experienced chairman amongst my colleagues. Would like to have more in-depth discussions with my seniors, I should call them, and uh, come up with, we know for sure this is not working. What's ever happened, you know, now is not working and it's need to change. Do you have a time scale at all on before the end of the week, I would have contacted all my colleagues and I'm going to arrange for all of us to get together within the next two weeks. I suppose the, the, the question I ask is what if someone, what if basically the, the feeling isn't there with you, you know, what about you? Where, where does that leave you with? Like your chairman, so if your fellow chairman don't sort of back you, you move to split from the RFL. No, if, if the other chair, it's entirely, I said the future of the sport is in the hands of the 12 chairmen, and it's really up to the 12 chairmen to decide on what will happen next. I need their backing. So as a result of the telephone conversation I've had. And this is how small-minded and desperate the RFL is. Quite genuinely, back in December, when our CEO had left, we started looking at some of the financial stuff in our um, club, just to tidy up the finances. And on the 21st, and I remember the email exactly, on the 21st of December, I wrote to Dean Hardman saying, Dean, look, you know, I'm going through the, uh, the financial dealings of the club. There's been cases whereby people like admin staff here, coaches being given cars and we need to claim it back from them. There's a case in which we bid 2,000 pounds towards medical assistance for one of the players' wives. And now I get a call from my lawyer saying that they're serving us with a notice, further evidence, and regarding the medical. I mean, it, this is information we bloody supplied it with the, to them with. Uh, it amounts to 2,000 pounds. I gave the information to the RFL. I just find them it's bloody shocking. Uh, probably they are watching. I think you are watching, aren't you, Mr. RFL? The thing is, the best thing to do, my advice to you is, and I give this advice to a lot of people, sometimes it's better to let people think you are wrong rather than come out and argue with me to force me to prove that you are wrong.
we've obviously seen in the NRL a lot of salary cap issues and in Super League too. Do you think we should get rid of them? No, I don't really think we should get rid of the salary cap. I'm, also, I'm not suggesting for any minute to increase that salary cap. What I'm asking for, a structure that can increase the income to, salary, you know, to Super League clubs in order to raise the salary cap. I believe had the money been used correctly out of the last TV deal and Super League clubs got paid their fair share, that would have entitled them to get at least £700,000 a year more and that would have probably put us in a place where we're getting 120%, 130% more than the salary cap. And that's where we need to be. So you're saying the RFL are holding the sport back? I've always said that. Do you think it's being done deliberately? No, they're just incompetent. So that was the edit highlights uh, from the Marwan Kukash press conference today. Um, Paul, you know, what, what did you make of, of what he said there? Well, I didn't think it was quite as, as ruthless and, uh, you know, as explosive as what we was expecting, really. I thought it might be, uh, you know, he might be pull all the, the stops out. But, you know, he's, he's explained a bit about why we was done and, and, and over the salary cap in 2014. And from, from what I've read into it today, it seems very harsh, doesn't it? You know, the bit involving um, Jake Mullaney and we was only over the, the cap for so many days and this, that and the other. And... You know, reading between the lines, it sounds like there was a bit of a communication error between Salford and, and the RFL, and, and that's what makes it seem like that six points is, is really, really harsh, isn't it, really? So um, so I think we can feel a bit aggrieved, really. Yeah, I think the RFL, uh, you know, have, have definitely, uh, you know, not really kind of like Marwan Kukash. He comes out and, and he says basically they're rolling over the, the cap for, was it nine days or something like that? Um, you know, RFL says they were over it for 109 days, right? It's it's a quite a you know a different um, you know two figures there, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, it's it's disappointing to see you know they're not agreeing on it. Um, it'd be nice if the relationship between the club and you know the sports uh, governing body was a good one, but I think it's like a widespread problem in rugby league that you know you've got clubs who aren't happy with the way the sports being run and. You know, I think the DRFL need to act as, act as quickly as po- possible to, you know, rectify the problem. Otherwise, you know, things like today, these press conferences, we don't want to see this in our sport. And, uh, you know, hopefully they'll get this sorted out sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think, obviously, the figures, he, the RFL seemed to think it was 90, was it 94 grand and, and, and Marwan thinks it's around about 50. Even the period of time and the, and the amounts are both miles out, aren't they, Paul? Yeah, uh, to be honest with you, I don't think the, the amounts. It doesn't really matter if you've gone over the cap by a pound. You've gone over it. I mean, you broke the rules. But what 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 annoys me is going back to 2014. We were supposed to be a live cap, wasn't it? So if it was being run properly by the RFL, they'd have found all this out then. But that's what what annoys me. I don't think it was. It's sort of the guessing now, and they were sort of messing about with us and. It's not right. If it, if it was if we were over then, it was a live cap and they'd run it properly and had somebody policing it properly. It should have all been done then. But it's like they, 
they're sort of doing us now after the horse has bolted and it's, it's very annoying and so it seems as if they're making an example of us sometimes I think and I've been pretty quiet on this and I've not really been as outspoken as perhaps I should have should have been but like just looking into it today we'll probably go on to it a bit later on about the the witness one you know fielding 14 players and they, what have they been found is it £2,000 yeah didn't we get found £20,000 and have two points knocked off so at the moment at rugby league I mean for a lot of supporters that I spoke to are becoming a bit disillusioned and I think a lot of it is the, the way the game's being run there's so many grey areas if you break a law or do something wrong I mean you know someone like Nile Levels has been banned for a game and was it Danny Bruff who did sort of some cannonball tackle against us and, and got off with it and didn't get anything so there's so many different laws and it's just strange at the moment it all seems to depend who you are and what team you are and what player you are and I don't know, it must disillusion a lot of supporters, I think. Yeah, I think I, I agree with that, Paul. I think, Ryan, you know, talking about when Mullaney was deregistered because he got injured and they brought uh, Kevin Locke in and sort of the RFL not sort of taking one off and the, before putting the other one on, That's that shouldn't be a matter of problem. That's surely the RFL's problem, that. Yeah, exactly. Surely when you sign a player, um, you know, that should have to go through the RFL for us to be able to register that player, for example, Kevin Locke in this case, you know, if if we shouldn't have, if we can't sign him before we're allowed to sign him, why did the RFL allow that to happen? Surely, you know, that should be their fault, not ours. Yeah, bonkers decision for me. Obviously, my one's quite upset about it because he's under the impression that, um, you know, Mullaney would have been uh, sort of took off his his, his first team squad, uh, and he was only kind of uh, announced when at the pre- at the um. The, the appearing Paul and that's not the right way to go surely you know we should have been told by the RFL that what he did wrong before yeah but just just listening to what you two guys were saying there you know about Mullaney and this that and the other it just makes me wonder whether there was somebody there policing it or whether the RFL had made a mess of it and there wasn't someone there and it's as if it's as if they've they're in the wrong and they've not told us you know whether they've I don't know it just doesn't it doesn't sit right with me that really that at all so um, I don't know. I mean, it's about time they came out and, and told us. I know, I know they have. We've found a bit more out today, but it just makes you wonder whether we did register Kevin Locke and deregister Mullaney, and, and they just never received the information because there was nobody there policing it, you know, to do the job for them. So it, it, I don't know. It doesn't add up to me that it doesn't smell right at all. Yeah, I told you talked about witness getting uh, getting fined for, for fielding. Was it fourteen men twice? Uh, um, you know, that's. I think it was against Hull, wasn't it? Yeah. Hull, you know, it's. It, we we like you said we had points deducted uh, for that, um, and it's it, you know you want consistency, don't you, Ryan, through, through the whole process, and you know winners have got away with one there. Yeah, they definitely have, and you know it's really frustrating because you know it doesn't matter what happened in that game. I know that witness were battering them by the time they had fourteen players on the field. So as soon as that fourteenth player comes onto the pitch, you know it should be the same band no matter what. I just it's just ridiculous. It really is a farcical system. Not just on the field, uh, not just off the field, but on it as well. You know, we've seen Nia Levels who had a belting game against Settlers last week, scored an hat trick. You know, he's just got banned. Have you seen that on the naughty step? On I uh, saw Sky it today. Sports yeah, I saw How it today. What the hell has he been banned for that? We he's played... just tackled someone basically, hasn't he? He's not done anything wrong. So, like, if you watch the tackle, it's just like, how the hell is that a ban? And then, for example, like three weeks ago, we played Catalan away, and Dave Taylor basically. Could have, you know, snapped Junior Sal's neck, but yet that's not deemed an offence that carries a two-match ban. Whereas Niles is, and he's just making a tackle. It just, it just really like it's just stupid. Like, you know, come on, wake up. It's just like who is actually running our game? Like, who are these fools making these 
poor decisions. It's just poor. Yeah, it's, it's outrageous for, for me, Ryan. Also, he mentions that you know there was other team, another team uh, that went over the cap in 2014 by 158 grand, um, and obviously the decision was made not to sort of sort of uh, you know prosecute them. Um, that's another thing we we go over by you know a little bit in comparison there, Paul, and and, and get the, the the whole kitchen sink thrown at us. Yeah, it don't it don't add up at all, does it? There's, I don't know. It, I sometimes think with rugby. I mean, I love rugby league, and I always have done. And but sometimes to me, a lot of the rules seem to get made up sometimes as they go along, don't they? You know, by the the people running running the game, it it just seems crazy, doesn't it? I mean, just going back to the ban on my levels. I mean, I was talking to somebody the other day. And, um, you know, I first started watching Salford late 80s, early 90s. For you to get banned, you know, 25 years ago, you had to sort of jump in the crowd and thump someone. You know, they might have played, you, you, you never saw anybody get red card. You never saw a ban all the way through the season. But now people are getting banned every week, aren't they, for, for meaningless things. And, I mean, I've seen that Nile Levels incident today and there's nothing malicious in that. I mean, Nile's not a malicious player. And... I don't know. You can talk about conspiracy theories at the RFL and it just makes you wonder sometimes because Niall's done well. He's scored an hat-trick. He's come back into the side. He's got a bit of confidence up there and bang, he gets banned for something. I mean, you wouldn't mind if he'd took someone's head off or, you know, he'd elbowed somebody, but there's nothing in that at all. And it, I don't know. It's just beyond belief sometimes, isn't it? It's strange. Yeah. Can I just come in there as well? Yeah. Like, look, look at what happened. Danny Bruff, for example, you know, he snaps Nathan Caton Brown's leg at Huddersfield. You know, he injures him for 12 weeks. You know, Nia Levels, has he even injured that player? And he's got banned for two matches, yet Danny Bruff doesn't get banned at all. It's just ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. And you know what? I'm fully behind Marlon Kukash for taking the RFL on here. Something drastically needs to change in this sport. You know, we've been saying it. The Wakefield chairman's been saying it. The whole KR chairman's been saying it. It's time for change. We need that Nigel Wood to get out of the sport, someone new to come in and give it a good hard crack. We need change in this sport. Uh, well, as so I say, you talk about change, Ryan, but you know, is he going to get the backing of the rest of the rest of the Super League chairman? That that's the big theory for me. Marwin at the moment has come out himself and said, "I'm not happy about this. We need change." But to strengthen his hand, he needs other chairmen to back him up. I completely agree, but. Like, if you look at, I don't know whether you guys are on social media, it seems to be the vast majority of people who follow this game, who watch this game week in, week out. All my mates who I go to the game with, they all say exactly the same things. It needs to, something needs to happen. It can't continue to go on the way it is because it just annoys the absolute, you know, out of you. Do you know what I mean? It does your head in. It, sh- it's, it shouldn't be like this. This is a great game. But it seems to be ruined by these idiots at the top who are running this game in a completely farcical way. Yeah, and he's talked about the appeal. Um, he wanted an independent body to look at it. Uh, but the RFL kind of wanted him to produce why he wants to appeal before they decide whether to go to the independent body. That's that's the wrong way about it. If he if Marwan thinks Paul that you know the RFL are trying to you know do him wrong, surely he should he should be able to force the RFL to go. Yeah, he's, he's he's entitled to his appeal, isn't he? And I just think at the moment it's it's a bit sad, really, because we should be talking about the the rugby league and the great games and the great players, and that's that's all I'm interested in. I couldn't give a, a monkeys about all this off the field stuff, and it, it just seems that's all we we tend to talk about now. And that's all people tend to talk about on social media and the rugby league press and things like that. And it is it, the game's being 
it's been like this. I don't think it's a new thing. I think it's been like this for a while now. And I mean, you look at the international game, the way that's been run. I mean, it's, it's a joke. I mean, the marketing for the Magic Weekend, there's, there's nothing there, is it? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know where to go with it, really. I mean, Marwan's on this thing. Now, the only thing that I'm sort of worried about with this breakaway thing is you've got you've not got to forget you're not there's not the only the Super League and Rugby League you've got the the other leagues as well and the other the, it's a pyramid rugby league and it's so you've got your first division and those sides as well if you run off and create your own Super League and you've got to be careful you don't leave them and cut them adrift because uh, without them there's no game as well yeah you, you've got to keep your grassroots that's where you get the, your players from Paul um, you know he, he talks about his concerns about the TV deal. Uh, in, Australia, in Australia, because he, obviously Australian clubs get paid far much more than we do, and has a real go at uh, Catalan Dragons and Toulouse Ryan, um, you know, about how much we fund them uh, when they come over. Um, obviously, you know, Catalan Dragons, uh, the RFL want the game to be expanded into, into you know, other countries, other areas, and they're going to, you know, try and make it the best they can for them. Yeah, you know, the game needs to grow. We all know that. And, you know, the game deserves to grow because it's a great sport. But at the end of the day, as a sports governing body, we have to remain impartial to all the teams who play the game. And we see when they try and take, you know, the sport to, you know, uh, the Crusaders, Catalan Dragons, London Broncos. You know, why should they be allowed to have more overseas players than us just because it's a development area? I'm sorry, but you have to treat everyone equally. Otherwise, you get fans like us free off because you know Catalan can have nine overseas players and have an NRL quality side there's no way that team's under the car I'm sorry but you know you can't do that and then and then to give us a fine for being over the cap for something that happened two years ago yet Catalan are over it obviously this year and other teams are as well they just need to sort it out honestly and this is why I'm so behind I'm so behind them doing this and I hope all the chairmen get together because one thing two things can happen from this Either the RFL ended up getting overturned and we could start a whole new, you know, sports governing body, which I don't think will happen. Or otherwise, the RFL think we better get our acts together because we're all the people off who are putting money into this sport. Our sport depends on those people at the end of the day. I'm so passionate about this sport and it needs to change. They need to wake up. Take a breath, Ryan. I know, mate. I'm fuming. <laughs> it needs to be sorted out, though, mate. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they talk. They talk about um, France as well. Um, Catalan Dragons were supposed to sort of improve the the French national team, uh, but eleven of the of the starting uh, seventeen, um, Paul, uh, weren't available to play for France. So they're obviously putting you know success now ahead of development in their country. I think they are. Uh, well, I think if you look at their under nineteens, their under nineteens are doing really well, aren't they? At the second top of the table, so. Uh... I'm not sure whether they're unbeaten actually. I think, but they're up there with Warrington, so they they have they have got some good young players there, aren't they? But but yeah, they I mean I've been a bit sceptical recently. I mean I never normally am. I'm normally very optimistic, but you know I read things and that I look at Hull and Catalan and you look at the players they've got and you think, well, if we're fiddling the salary cap, you know how much are, they, are their players getting paid? You know what I mean when they've got so many big names? Because I've heard people on social media say, oh, we we've got big names and the last season I thought well, we've got no more big names than any other. Of these these sides, I will lead St. Helens Wigan, so uh, I don't know. It was like like Ryan says, he's, he's bang on. Really, I mean, it, it does a change does need need to happen. Yeah, talk about Toulouse well in the championship, uh, kind of funding them as well. 
Um, you know, it's it's pretty bad that you know they've got they've got to help these t- teams out. If surely if if they were had enough funding themselves, because uh, obviously to start they have to prove that you know they've got enough money in the tank to 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 compete. Um, surely you know the RFL shouldn't have to give them a leg up, uh, Ryan. Well, the RFL should help them. There should be, you know, a, a department in the RFL that helps out these, you know, new clubs coming in. But they should be treated the same as all the other clubs. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know, why should, you know, Team A from the northwest of England be allowed seven uh, overseas players, but then Team B from a development area is allowed as many overseas players as they want, or they can go over the cap, or we're not looking to their accounts as much in as much detail. You know, you have to be fair. And I just think, you know, I think it's so blatant to see that that's not the case in our sport. Like, do you think the Premier League would, uh, you know, let's say, for example, you know, a team from New York wanted to join the Premier League, for example. Do you reckon the Premier League would allow, you know, for example, I can't think of an example, but, you know, you've got to treat everyone the same. Do you know what I mean? Like, they have to be consistent. And it's time and time and time again where we see these, you know, inconsistencies and, you know, I think they have to remember the RFL is that this sport depends on wealthy owners putting the money in. The TV deal that they poorly negotiated with Sky Sports does not cover all the expenses of the clubs. It needs the sponsors, you know, the businessmen putting the money in who are passionate about the game. And I feel that the problem is that, you know, people like Kukash who have put the money in, you know, if they they don't have a good time in rugby league, they're just going to stop putting the money in and that's when rugby league will go downhill because the RFL do not generate enough, enough income to you know support the clubs that are there it depends on these wealthy owners yeah and then to put the cherry on the cake um the RFL then announced uh, that they'd found another salary cap breach uh, this time from 2015 um my one was quite was quite um in shock about it it was a bit like well I've told them about this and that and I quite quite understand how, how they got to it, but I'm sure he's looking at that, Paul. And you know, hopefully, you know, it won't it won't happen again. We won't get a few more points take off us. Hopefully not. Well, it could go two ways. That really couldn't. It? If they're gonna do it again for something in 2015, I think perhaps we'd rather have them took off this season than be in the same boat next season. You know, build up a bit of momentum next season, get to Easter and bang the RFL, take a load of points off it again. Because he's, the, the, at the end of the day, it's the supporters who cop all this, I know Marwan puts his money in, but it's the supporters who are going every week, week in, week out, giving the time and, you know, going all over the place. And you just think you're getting a bit of momentum and it's taken away from it was last season and it has been this season. So really, I mean, we're probably not going to finish in the top eight this season. We've got a chance, haven't we, if we keep winning, but it's going to be a hard task. So really, you're sort of looking at next season now, aren't you? And that was the same last season. So we don't really want that to happen this season. But just going back to what Ryan said about consistency, this might sound a bit daft really, but... I was thinking the other day about Catalan and would the Premier League allow this in football? You've got a team in Catalan who every single one of their games is on French television. They have a video referee at every single home game. The other teams don't, but they do. So would the Premier League let Manchester United have a video replay at every game, but not the other teams? I don't think they would. And it's those sort of inconsistencies that, that I think need taken out of the sport for me. Yeah, it makes a massive difference having having a second look at every game you play at home, Paul. Um, but I you know it's I suppose it's part of the process for them. It, 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 the TV every game it should be sort of took out from them, and everyone should have a TV game. Um, well, I think in Australia they do though, don't they? They have a video replay every single game, don't yeah, they? Yeah. They don't have a big screen there. They're not all televised, but they do have the this this video technology. So 
I think if you're going to be fair about it, um, you've got to you've got to have all the games, haven't you? Really, I think that's the way I've always I've always thought of it like that. But I don't know. It's just another another thing to think about. Yeah, uh, Marwan announced that he was going to get together with his fellow chairman uh, and and see if he could get some support, Ryan, in the next couple of weeks. Um, we're hoping that he'll have a few mates on board um, and be able to you know push through his idea at the RFL. Well, let's hope he does, um, because, you know, something needs to happen. I'm sure something will, to be honest. I, f- I feel that this will be, you know, a big warning to the RFL that they need to seriously get their acts together. For me, like, you know, why why don't we just replicate the NRL? The NRL is a massively successful brand in Australia. It's a fantastic league. You know, for me, just, just go to Australia and just try and recruit a few of the people that work in the NRL and they'll come in and they will do a job. They will do such a good job of changing our game. And that's all that we need, needs to happen. Like Nigel Wood, no disrespect, you know, he's put a lot of time into that game, but he is not the right man to be running rugby league in this country. Everyone knows it. And, you know, we need, he needs to go. He needs to go. It's simple as sorry, Nigel. You know what I mean, mate? But, you know, your time's come, mate, and, you know, we need proper businessmen, clever blokes who are going to put everything into, you know what, we need a bloke who's going to come in and say, you know what, I'm going to be the guy who comes into rugby league in the UK and I'm going to change that sport and I'm going to change everyone's views on that that organisation because I really care about it and I want to make a difference. I don't see that with the current setup at all. And, that, you know, Kukash, he's put a lot of money into this game. He's put more money into this game than any other owner ever has probably done in the sports history. I just don't think he's getting a lot back from it. I think that's a completely fair statement. And, you know, owners should be... People should want to get involved in rugby league. But, you know, God, if I won the lottery tomorrow, I don't think I'd get involved. I really don't. Why would I? It'd be like I'd be throwing my money down the drain, to be honest. So... I don't know. It's sort of big things need to change, but uh, I hope it does. I really do. Because yeah. <laughs> I love this sport. Because <laughs> yeah. we, we love this. We love this sport, rugby league, Ryan. I mean, obviously, you're massively passionate about it. And uh, obviously, you know, hopefully, Marwan will get his, uh, his way at the RFL and, you know, things will change, Paul. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, I, mean, I always feel like the, the, the sport sort of undersells itself. It's a great, great sport, isn't it? It's brilliant. And we do, it's never marketed properly. And, Maybe it is. I mean, I don't know a lot about Nigel Wood. I don't know him personally, so I don't really know I can whether I can slag him off or not. But it it doesn't seem to be run right to me, and I think it does. It needs a radical overhaul. And like Ryan says, you know, looking at the NRL, I mean, you, you've got people over there. Use them as a model, and that's what we've got to we've got to go for now. I think definitely. Yeah. So what we'll do now? We'll just have a quick look at the other news uh, coming out of the club. Okay, so uh, we've still got magic tickets available uh, for Saturday, uh, Paul. You know they sold a lot, uh, but you know what happens? Fans leave it to last minute, and then they go and it's all they've all been sold. So I'm urging all fans to get down uh, to the stadium and, and buy the tickets before they go. Yeah, but uh, even if you miss out, I'm pretty sure if you rolled up in Newcastle, you'd be able to get in because I don't think it's going to be mega sold out, is it? So if you didn't have a ticket, I'm pretty sure you'd be able to buy one when you got there. But yeah, they've still got tickets on sale at the stadium, haven't they? So, uh, so yeah, get yourselves down there and. Uh, Go and support the boys because it's, it's going to be a good day. Like we said, we were saying the other day, there's three games on, two more after us as well. So I mean, for the, the value for money is uh, fantastic. And watching Salford in a nice big stadium, it makes a change, doesn't it? Really, we don't often get to cup finals and that, so uh, it'll be nice. It should be a good day. Yeah, the Super Josh um, Magic Weekend shirts uh, will be available in the shop 
uh, from the 19th of May, Thursday, uh, from midday to 8 o'clock, and Friday uh, from half nine to half four, Ryan. You know, it's a pretty smart shirt, that, and the, they've, uh, I think they've been selling really well. Yeah, I'm sure they have been. I think it's, you know, it's a really great thing that we've done there, you know, involving charity with a shirt. A lot of other clubs have done it over the past and it seems like more and more are getting on board. They do it in Australia when they play the Auckland Nines as well. So, you know, I, I think it's a really good thing and, you know, hopefully uh, a lot of people will be wearing the shirt on uh, on Saturday against Widnes. Yeah, uh, talking about charity, we've got Steve McCormack um, and Barry Jones are doing the Manchester 10K on Sunday. Um, Steve McCormack's doing the memory of Leon Walker uh, for cardiac risk in the young people and Barry Jones are doing it for Super Josh uh, Paul, you know it's it's a tough uh, 10 mile uh, ten mile, 10k run that uh, and you know these boys, top reds, you know working hard, grafting and, and raising money for charity Yeah, it's, it's good that yeah and uh, good luck to him because yeah, 10k is about 6 miles isn't it so uh, you know running on the road as well, it starts hard going that uh, I do a bit of running myself, so I know what it's like on your knees and that. So uh, good luck to them. They'll, uh, if they'll, I just hope they get a nice dry day from because you don't want it peeing down on them. But yeah, that's that's great work. That and I hope they raise loads of money for it. Yeah, I did it about ooh, 15 years ago, and I got round in 53. Probably take me. Bad. No, no, probably probably take me about 53 hours to get round nowadays. Like, but, <laughs> but uh, you know, it was one of my one of my greatest achievements that running run, running 10k, Ryan. And obviously, you got to be fit to do it. Yeah, 10k is a long way to run. It's at least like an hour. So, uh, yeah, uh, that's a that's a big challenge to anyone who's going to take part in it. Yeah. Uh, so I put the links up on our Facebook page and our Twitter page. So just we've donated a tenner uh, off the podcast. So good luck, lads, um, and hopefully you'll you'll get round in a, in a good time. Uh, Nine levels got picked uh, in the Super League team of the week despite getting uh, suspended. Uh, Paul, uh, you know he's, he's he's adapting well into that wing position. Yeah, we played centre. He played centre on Friday night at St. Helens and um, didn't look out of place to me in the centre. I thought it might have been a little masterstroke that from Watson because, you know, you never know. Sometimes you try players in different positions and they sort of grow into them, don't they? And you thought, you think, oh, blimey, I never thought he'd, he'd play there and they end up uh, moving there, don't they? But I thought he played really well. He looked really sharp and, um, you know, he's, he's looked a bit low on confidence, I think, last few weeks. I mean, let's be honest, he's had he's had a bit of um, the confidence knocked out of him anyway with Gareth O'Brien taking his full-back role, I mean, but he's never given up, he's never dropped his head or anything, he's been there in the background waiting for his chance and, you know, when, he, when he's come on, he's, he's done well and um, I was I was really pleased for him getting the hat-trick on, on Friday night but the only downside was he's got he's got a ban now, hasn't he, for, um, for a tackle. Yeah, uh, so what we'll do now, uh, we'll talk about the Settlements game uh, on Friday. You're listening to Devil in the Detail, and this is your big match review. There he is. Hey, mate. There he is, Fossey Mouth Ryan. It didn't sound too bad, did it? I'm going to get some salt with washing mouth out. <laughs> <laughs> so, Salford went down 34 points to 20 away at St. Helens on Friday, Paul. You know, St. Helens are a good side, and unfortunately we didn't have enough uh, to get over the line. No, well, St. Helens have been a bit up and down for me this season. Seen quite a bit of them, and uh, I thought they played well. St. Helens on Friday night, I thought they looked really good with the ball, and I thought Theo had a good game for them. And they looked, they've looked. I thought they've looked like they've lacked a half back this season. That Luke Walsh has been a bit disappointing for me, but they're seeming now to be getting you know the little combinations together. And you know Theo played quite well, and uh, yeah, when they moved the ball, they looked really dangerous. They looked really dangerous when they got an hour, every time they got an hour after. Disappointing thing when. For me, at the moment, as we saw for the last few weeks, I think it's our defence. We, we can score points. We look dangerous, 
but it's just the defence for me. It's particularly goal line defence. You've got to have a bit more sort of, what's the word? We're not desire, but for want of a better word, desire, yeah? You know, holding teams out, and we can't seem to be able to do that sometimes. You've just got a number up, haven't you? To muscle up. And um, there was a few sort of soft tries we conceded, but we didn't throw the towel in and we got it back to 22-20, as we'll probably go on to in a bit. And I thought we looked the better side with 20 minutes to go. Yeah, Salford started with O'Brien at full-back, Justin Carney, Junior South, Nile Levels, Daniel Vido, uh, Rob Lewis, Michael Dobson, Ben Murdoch Masala, Ryan Lannon, Josh Jones, Craig Copjack, Logan Tompkins, and George Griffin on the bench for Salford was Wellaraki, Adam Warren, Ollie Krinicki, and Phil Joseph. Um, Ryan. Ebbles in the centre and Vido on the wing. Uh, what do you make of that? Yeah, it was uh, obviously Niall came in at centre there and you know he scored an hat trick, so you know fair play to Niall. I thought he had a good game. Um, you know Vido looked a bit more sharper. Uh, obviously, it was only second game back for a Super League appearance, so you know that could be an interesting combination going forward. But I imagine you know when Josh Griffin's back fit, he'll slot in there with Daniel Vido. Yeah, Salford opened the scoring through Niall Ebbles, Paul. Great hands. To send him over in the corner, and you know it was a great start. The things we keep doing, we keep starting off well. Yeah, it was good, Anthony. It was a good finish from Young Nile. He, he did well there, and that's what we needed. We need to quiet the crowd down, get a, get a, a, the early score, and uh, and we did that. But yeah, I thought he played really well, Nile, on uh, on Friday night. He had uh, he had a good game. Yeah, and then unfortunately for us, Saints got a bit of a roll on scoring three quick tries right in the next bit period. You know, but Salford hit back. Great burst by uh, Ben Murnett of Salah sends Ebbles over in the corner for his second. Had a few quiet weeks, Ben Murnett of Salah, but come back with a big performance on Friday. Yeah, I thought Ben had one of his better games for Salford. He made a couple of half breaks and you know I thought it was a really important try just before half time and you know that's the best time you want to score really. So uh, yeah, it was good to see Ben improve and you know Niall is a great support player and he's always, you know, you know, willing to take those tries. He loves scoring tries, Niall. So yeah, it was a good evening for him. Yeah, 16 8 half time, Paul. Still in the contest, um, but unfortunately, you know, we weren't able to bridge the gap. Well, I thought we needed to score first, really, in the second half. I know um, Michael Dobson was, he led us round the park, I thought, really well on Friday, and he had one of his best games for a while. And um, I saw him a few times behind the post, he was really giving it the players, you know, real showing some real passion there. And. Uh, yeah, it was a, it was a funny game, really. I mean, it was disappointing, you know, to concede some of the tries. And then you think, well, we playing St. Helens, we're a decent side. And for long periods of that game, I thought we lived with them. And especially there when we got, like I said before, we got it back to 22-20. And they were really rocking there, St. Helens. And, uh, you know, we were looking like we were going we to we we take it there in the last 15 minutes. Yeah. And obviously, unfortunately for Salford, St. Helens scored uh, just after half-time. Uh, Ryan, you know, that, that kind of, you know, killed our hopes there a bit. Yeah, it did. Um, well, which try was that again? Sorry, the one just after half time by Lomax. Lomax, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, we were. Was it twenty twenty two eight? Twenty two eight. Yeah. Um, so we're still in the game, really. I think when you're always within, you know, two two tries, you know, you're never out of the game, and you know, I think we saw that because you know we managed to get a couple of quick ones after that. So. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, that's one thing I say. I don't think we ever, we've ever not been giving up in games this year. Um, but, yeah, it was uh, it was good to see the response after the Lomax try. Yeah, quick, two quick tries in four minutes, Paul. Uh, one from Carney in the corner. Lovely, you know, working move. Uh, and then Niall Ebbles a sweeping uh, team move as well. You know, gave plenty of ball on, on Friday and, you know, we, we got a good results from it. Scored, scored some good tries as well. The, the Carney try was good hands and a good finish from Carney. But the... the the last try for Evels, that was a cracking move. That you know, Gareth O'Brien, 
he links in the line so well and I think he's unplayable when they do that move and he's in there, he's your extra pivot and there's not many, there's no team in Super League that can defend against that and 22-20 there, we're back in that game there, we had a couple of missed goal kicks from Gareth O'Brien, the first two tries were out on the wing and difficult for him to convert so, but yeah we're right back in it there, 15 minutes to go and obviously St. Helens being the champion team there, it was our old friend Theo Farge who cut us to pieces to score the next try, really, the game-clinching try, I thought. Yeah, Tompkins knocked on uh, as Silver made a break and St. Helens took advantage uh, through the try from Theo Farge and then, they tried, then the game was over when Kyle Am- uh, Amor crashes over with six minutes to go, Ryan. But it was a brave effort from, from the boys. You know, they, they put the effort in and unfortunately we just didn't come up with the points this time. It was, but I think we've missed out a massive part of the game, which well, is when we were 22-20 you know, behind. We were only behind by two points. We are on a bit of a roll at that point. Justin Carney made a break down the left-hand side. And then Junius, he, he tried to play the ball. Lou McCarthy-Scarswell tackled him. And then the referee should have given a penalty because Justin Carney was already tackled. He then plays the ball. And then Justin Carney pushes him because he tackled him twice. Junior Sal goes on a break and potentially scores. But then the referee gives St. Helens a penalty for Junior Sal, uh, for Justin Carney pushing Lou McCarthy-Stravenport. And this was such a bad decision in the game. And, you know, even Ian Watson, who is probably the most calmest person in rugby league and never, I've not heard him once mention the officials in any of our games. And he's come out and criticised the, the referee this week. And, you know, it's week after week after week. We're getting these bad decisions against us. And it's just like, what? When's it going to end? Do you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, it was disappointing. Really disappointing again. But, you know, we're just used to it by now, aren't we? We'll sort of. Yeah, so. uh, sort of. Ian Watson, you know, wasn't very happy about the officials on, on Friday, Paul. Yeah, he made some strange decisions. Yeah, I went absolutely mad when Junior Sal went through there. I won't repeat what I said. Um, I was going absolutely, absolutely <laughs> potty. Well, it, it was a game changer. It was a crazy decision. I mean, how many times this season have we been penalised when we've got the ball? We must be penalised more times than any other club when we've got the ball for little, for silly little things. Like, I mean, I don't know. I think sometimes the referees, it was the same when Gareth Ock played for us, they'll penalise certain players because of the past, for the reputation. What, like Carney? Oh, we'll penalise him. He's a bit of a bit of a snapper, isn't he, Carney? You know, he likes a bit of verbals and that, doesn't he? But that should have been a Salford penalty. If it had been the other way around, it probably would have been a St. Helens penalty. So, and I'm not one for slagging referees and things like that, but I thought he had a, had a poor game, the referee. I thought for both sides, really. I think uh, he missed a lot, but that that was a crucial point. As Ryan said, it was 22-20 there and... Uh, yeah, I was I was spitting feathers there, and our friend um, Sai, if he's listening, he was uh, spitting feathers as well. I, I saw him on uh, Friday night um, running down, having a go at the referee. So, uh, but he was he was sure he showed a lot of passion there as well, Sai. So, uh, big shout out to him. <laughs> I was I was sticking up for him in the crowd anyway. Right. Um, obviously, you know, looking at it statistically, uh, Craig Copjack made thirty-eight tackles, Logan Tompkins made thirty-eight tackles, Adam Warren thirty-six. Uh, Joshua Jones with 24. You know, forward foot have been a bit of big work in there. Uh, Mur- Murdoch Masala with 31. You know, Ryan, you can't ask for anything more, really, defensively. No, and you, you can never fault the effort from these lads this year. You know, they have given absolutely everything. For me, at the start of the season, from speaking to a lot of the Salford supporters, you know, the pack, we didn't feel like it was big enough or experienced enough to, you know, challenge for the top six. If you look at all the clubs that are in the top four this year, you know, Warrington, Catalan, Hull and St. Ellens, they've all got big packs. 
So for me, looking towards the next couple of seasons, I think that's some somewhere where we really need to improve because you know it's it's massive having those big forwards because you see time and time again with Salford this season is the collision's not good enough and teams are just getting on the front foot against us, getting those quick play the balls. Whereas like when we're playing like you know big teams like Catalan, St. Helens, and Warrington, they're putting us on our backs. And they can get composed on the line before they, you know, before they make the uh, the move towards the attacking players. So, you know, we, we really need to improve on that in the future. Yeah, meter makers. Uh, Justin Carney with 135. Uh, Daniel Vido with 124. Ben Ben Murnup with 100, 106. Um, you know, made some big big yards, the big lads, Paul. Yeah, I thought Carney played well on Friday night. I didn't think he had his best game against Castleford, but I thought. Um, he worked. He worked tremendously hard on Friday night, and I think that's one thing with Justin Carney. I mean, he does tend to make mistakes, and uh, he has coughed up the ball a few times. But I don't think you can ever question his commitment. The lad wears his heart on his sleeve every week, and he's trying. He's he's running through. I think sometimes he sort of he's pr- prone to do a dafting at the play of the ball, isn't he? But I think a lot of it with him is he plays the game with so much passion. Sometimes he sort of gets a bit too carried away, doesn't he? But I thought he played really well and looked really dangerous on on Friday night. And big, big Ben Murdoch Masala played well as well. He looked really dangerous on that wing out with Nia Levels, you know, put him in for a couple of tries. So, uh, so yeah, I wasn't overly, I, I was disappointed because it's another year gone by without winning at St. Helens. But, you know, we've, we've been there in the past and been beaten by 50, 50 odd points, haven't we? So it was a game where we was in with 15 minutes to go. And uh, I think with us being disappointed, we've not won the game. That shows that we are making progress. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Paul. Another player that stood out was Michael Dobson. Uh, great performance from him, Ryan, getting the team around the pack. Yeah, Dobbo, um, I felt like he had a pretty decent game. Um, he's, uh, he's got, he's got a, good, he's a good communicator on the pitch, unlike myself there. <laughs> um, but yeah, he, he, I think he's good, Dobbo. He, you know, he's got that experience and he's played, played a lot of Super League games. But, um, you know, yeah, he, he did. He, he was a lot better than he was against Cast, and he made a couple of breaks as well, which is really important. So, you know, fair play to Dobbo. Yeah, I don't think he'll need to carry a bleep machine around with him like yourself. I don't know, mate. They swear a lot of these rugby players. <laughs> there is a big swearing culture in their coaching departments of rugby league. So I saw, uh, I saw Dobson uh, doing a bit of swearing on Friday night. I don't know if you did, Ryan, behind the goals. He really was uh, fight, winding the players up, wasn't he, on Friday. He really was leading them around the park. And I thought I thought he was probably our best player, uh, Michael, on uh, on Friday night. Cool. So I'm looking through the uh, three-word match reports and uh, man of the match. Uh, reports from our listeners. Uh, Paul King, uh, another rubbish referee. His man of the match was Evels. Paul Foster uh, was ref Costas. His man of the match was Evels. Martin, he needs a hooker. Uh, the team, not me. <laughs> he said his man of the match was uh, Vido. Uh, Paul Hume, 33 consecutive losses. His man of the match uh, was Evels. Andy Riley, uh, silly penalties costs. His man of the match was Evels as well. Uh, Marie Scholes, not good enough. Uh, she didn't put him out of the match. Uh, so, uh, yeah, Evels gets a clean sweep, really, um, for him, uh, man of the match, Ryan. Yeah, Niall Evels was definitely the man of the match. He's he's such a good player. And, you know, I, I love seeing players who come from the academy and play for Salford. And he always gives 100%. He looks focused. He scores tries. You know, I hope Niall Evels, you know, we were doing this podcast in 10 years' time and, you know, we're talking about him like one of the Salford greats. I think uh, Paul mentioned that last week. So, you know, I think we need to get him signed up on a long-term deal because he's got that versatility in his game as well. You know, he can play full-back. You know, I think he can play in the halves as well. He can play in the wing, the centres. So he's a real utility player for us. So, you know, if Kukash is listening to this, uh, 
you know, get him signed up on a long-term contract. Yeah, who was your man of the match, Paul? I thought I thought Niall played really well, and I I, I always I always big Niall up because uh, I think he's a, he's a great lad and. I speak to his dad quite a lot of the games and he, he, from what I've heard from his dad he's a very grounded young lad and uh, I've loved watching him the last few years and I, I think it'd be brilliant if we could sign him up because my only worry is that if he doesn't sign up and he does go somewhere else he'll blossom somewhere else and we'll miss out like we have done with a few other players so so I'd love to see Niall, uh, Niall sign up but I thought for me I thought Michael Dobson played really well he was my man of the match I thought he was let down a bit by a few daft plays really I mean I know I think it was 22-20 and we was attacking and I think Logan Tompkins coughed the ball up on the, the first tackle and I know Dobson was going mad. But there were certain things that let us down on, on Friday night. But I thought Dobson worked really hard and he also kicked a goal off the touchline and slipped but he still managed to kick it and I thought that was a, a great kick from him as well. So I'd go for Dobson. Cool. So what we'll do now, we'll have a listen to what, our, what Paul says uh, in the amateur report uh, with all our local sides this week. Well, we'll start this week's amateur roundup by looking at Salford Red Devils under-19s. They were in action on Thursday night, the 12th of May, against Warrington at home. They battled bravely but went down 42 points to 22 against the Young Wolves. Salford lined up with Jack Thompson, Jake Knox, Ben Calland, Harry Madders, Elliot Kane, John Whitaker, Aaron Moore, Jack Cottington, Connor Adams, Chris Worrell, Adam Jones, Jordan Seller, Liam Bent, and the subs were Tom Millington, Nathan Reedy, Alex Gaskell and Lewis Gregory. Trailing by 30 points to 6, they made a real fist of it in the second half with Tries from Moore, who scored two. Calland, Kane and Moore kicked three goals. So uh, that leaves Salford looking sort of down the bottom of the table, really fifth bottom, but they're battling away hard. They've won four out of the first ten games. There's no game for them this week as uh, due to the Magic Week and there's no fixtures. There's only one fixture in the under-19s and that's City of Hull Academy versus Bradford Bulls on Thursday. So the final score this week for the Young Devils was Salford Red Devils 22, Warrington Wolves 42. Well, moving on to the National Conference League. In the National Conference Premier Division, there was one result with our local sides involved, and that was Rochdale Mayfield, who had a brilliant win in Cumbria against Egremont Rangers. They won up there by 52 points to 10. In Division 2, Hunslet Club Parkside down the Salford City Roosters, winning by 40 points to 10. We've got a result from that, uh, match report sorry, from that game, and that's Parkside. were too good for Salford, despite having Adam Biscombe, Kyle McDermott and Craig Miles all simbined. A Bradley White penalty gave Salford an early lead, but Parkside hit back with tries from Craig Boot, Michael Waite and Danny Harrison. Man of the match, Jamie Fields landed a conversion and a penalty. Will Rigby scored a try in each half for Salford, who had Mark Gillingham bin for punching, but James Bradley went in twice for Hunslet, with Price and Fields also crossing. So full-time score there was Hunslet Club Parkside 40, Salford City Roosters 10. Also in Division 2, Saddleworth Rangers drew in a thrilling contest with Thornhill Trojans. Saddleworth Rangers 26, Thornhill uh, Trojans 26. In Division 3, Oldham St. Anne's 48, Dewsbury Moor Maroons 32. And Waterhead Warriors went down 34 points to 22 at Wollstone Rovers. So this week's fixtures, Saturday the 21st of May. In the Premier Division, Rochdale Mayfield play Pilkington Rex. In Division 2... We've got Saddleworth Rangers against Salford City Roosters. And in Division 3, Drillington play Oldham St. Anne's and Waterhead Warriors play the Ryland Sharks. Well, moving on to the North West Men's League on Saturday, there was, there was plenty of action there. We start off with Division 1. Uh, Folly Lane 22, Charlie Panthers 26. Moving on to Division 2, Lee East A 28, Oldham St. Anne's A 18. Lee Miners Rangers A 
38, Manchester Rangers 18, Leyland Warriors 34, Rochdale Mayfield A26, and Witness Tigers 8, Berry Broncos 18. Good win for the Berry Broncos. The try scorers there were Brad Cave, Matt Fish, and Harry Coleman also kicking some goals. So a good win for the Berry Broncos. Moving on to Division 4, it was Bolton Mets 14, West Horton Lions 70. The West Horton tries coming, uh, some of them coming from Nicky Buller. Scott Benyon, Deck Alley and Jimmy Haydock and Ryan Berry was kicking the goals there for uh, the West Horton Lions so a big win for them. Berry Broncos A24, Manchester Rangers A28, bit of an epic game there. The Broncos try scorers Ryan Latham, Steve Jenkinson and Paul Canaston. Also in Division 4, Coolchef Eagles 10, Little Hulton Reds 44. Rochdale Cobras against Garswood Stags. That match was abandoned. In Division 5, Caddy Z Rhinos A18, Oral St James A36, Langworthy Reds 44, Runcorn 28. A great win for Langworthy Reds. Uh, the tries coming two from Jack Davis, one from Ryan Griffin, Joe Alty scored one, Kieran Bamber, James Molyneux, Callum Jones, and Charlie Kerrigan, Jack Davis with five goals, and the man of the match was Joe Alty. So a big win there for Langley Reds in Division Five. Also in Division Five, a big win for Salford City Roosters. They beat Chester Gladiators A by sixty points to four. And in the Merit League, another big win for the Mancunians. They beat Northwest Tigers by forty-four. 40 sorry, forty points to twenty-two away from home. And it was a good win, good win for the for the Mancunians. The tries coming from Raul Sutcliffe, Anton Andrew, Ben Remington, Clement Andrew, and Sabik Moore. Mozart, and that is their fifth win of the season. They're unbeaten this season, so a big, big win for the Mancunians, 40-22. And this week's fixtures coming up on Saturday, the 21st of May, in the Northwest Men's League. We start in Division 2. Berry Broncos play the Lee Minor Rangers. A. Oldham St. Anne's A play the Manchester Rangers. Rochdale Mayfield A play Halton Farm of Hornets. In Division 5, Cadizad Rhinos A play the Langworthy Reds. Oral St. James A play the Salford City Roosters A. And in the Merit League, Littleborough played the Mancunians. And there's one fixture on Sunday the 22nd of May, that's in Division 4, and that's Rochdale Cobras against Berry Broncos. That's all the amateur news and fixtures and results for this week. See you next week. Cheers for that, Paul. So now what we'll do, we'll talk about the Magic Weekend this week against Witness. It's time for the Devil of the Details Big Match Preview. So Magic Weekend this week, Salford take on Witness in Newcastle, Paul. You know, it's been a big game. Witness on a bit of a slide at the moment. And it's important, Salford, you know, win, take advantage and win. Yeah, they are. I think they've lost, is it, seven on the trot? They've lost. I mean, they had a good start to the season, Witness, didn't they? And everyone was sort of touting them to finish in the top four. But, no, they seem to have um, been sliding down now, don't they? Down the, down the table a bit. So, uh, yeah, I think we, we owe them one for last season as well. They beat us quite comfortably the last season at the, the Magic Weekend. They beat us at the last two. So, that's uh, what we can put things right on Saturday because I think we owe Witness one. Do you think there's a bit of pressure involved, uh, Ryan? Obviously, Witness have lost seven on the spin uh, and they'll be looking uh, to obviously stop the rot uh, this week, but Salford need to win to, to obviously kick on and get back in the eight. Yeah, I think both teams need to win. Um, you know, Fingers crossed we can we can get a result because I do see another team dropping out of that top eight and I do see that team being Witness as well. If we were to beat them on Saturday, we'd be on eight points, they'd be on 12, plus we've got to play them at Witness, so... You know, it is a really important game and, you know, fingers crossed we can get the win and keep the season alive. Yeah, Widnes obviously on a bit of a slide. They lost to Hulk Yar uh, last week, Paul. Um, you know, they've got still got some players, good players in that side. They've got Reese Hanbury. Uh, you know, he's a player that has to be watched out, doesn't it? 
Yeah, he certainly does. They've got a lot of pace in their side as well, especially out wide. You've got Reese Ansbury. I like the the Laz Miller as well, the, the scrum half. I think he's a good player. But a lot we witness depends on um, on Kevin Brown, doesn't it? I don't know whether Kevin Brown's playing this weekend, but he always seems to play really really well against Salford. So, uh, but even even if he doesn't play, they've still got some decent players in the side and. They're just, they just on a bit of a bad run at the moment, aren't they? But you've got to be on your guard, haven't you? Because I think at that magic weekend, it tends to throw up strange scores, doesn't it? I mean, I think everybody's going to be quite even. I was looking at the games today, trying to predict them. Um, I mean, like a prediction league on Facebook that I do every week. And I know trying to predict the, the games every week is really difficult. It has been this season. I, I sit in the back Salford every week and... I think that's why I'm near the bottom, to be honest. But, um, but but no, if you look at like the whole derby, I mean, going into that game, Hull FC are, are, are on a, an amazing run of farm, aren't they? I've, I've watched the, the Wigan game the other day on my day off, and the way they put Wigan away on their own ground, you know, they look a real force, them, as if they're going to finish quite high on the table. But they're playing all Kingston Rovers, and you wouldn't back against all KR to turn them over at the Magic Weekend, because you sort of get those those scores, don't you? Some surprise scores, usually. Yeah, no, Wigan's got a you know a decent set of forwards as well. Uh, Ryan, we'll have to be on form to make sure we get on the front foot. Yeah, we will. We'll have to make sure we get on top, and um, you know they've got a pretty big pack as well. Wigan's they've got some decent players, so it's a really important game. And hopefully, we can lift ourselves for that. Yeah, I think obviously our magic record isn't the best, Paul. Obviously, we've only won two in the last seven. Um, is, it, is it a bit a bit of pressure building on us that you know it could be more of a mental thing that Magic Weekend you know we don't turn up. Yeah, it could be, yeah. It's, you're playing in a big stadium, aren't you? You're playing on the big stage there in front of the cameras as well. And I think, you know, generally this season, we haven't performed really well in front of the cameras. Have we? I think we've only beat St. Helens. We've lost lost the rest of them, haven't we, on, on Sky to Warrington and the Wakefield game away, the Castleford game in the Cup, Catalans as well. So we've been pretty poor when we've we've rolled up on, on television. So, so yeah, but I think it's, it's vital we get this win on, on Saturday because... You know, going into the next few games, if we can build a bit of a run and catch these teams up that are around us, because if you look at some of the other fixtures on Saturday, there's a chance if we get a result, you know, and results go round us, we can start catching up that top eight. We've got Wakefield at home the week after, and then we're going to home the week after that. So you've got two home games and then before a trip to Leeds. So they're all sort of winnable games, aren't they? These now, especially with the way Leeds are playing. So uh, no, I think it's vital that we get that result and get a bit of farm running because we've not really strung more than two wins together all season so if we can get this win at Magic Weekend and beat Wakefield it gives us a bit of confidence going into the Wigan game Yeah, can I have a score score prediction off you Ryan? I think it's going to be quite close but high scoring so I'm going to go 36-30 to Salford 36-30 Paul what what, what about about you? Right well this week like I said when I was doing my predictions for the Facebook thing I was looking at the weather because I think that might have a have a bearing on it I've never done this before I normally like just off the top of my head and I was thinking oh perhaps it'll be a nice scoring game but I think it's going to rain on on Saturday Right so uh, it might be a bit a bit of an heavy pitch I'm going to go 2010 to Salford 2010 to Salford on a foggy pitch in Newcastle I'm going to go Salford yeah 24 uh, witness six, and it and it'll be grey. It won't be raining. It'll be grey because you can't you can't trust. Was it BBC weather? Is that what you were looking at, Paul? Yeah, sorry mate, I lost you there. Then yeah. no, I'm going on that little app on my phone. You know the one on your iPhone where you yeah, yeah. types in Newcastle. I thought I watch it all week and just see what the weather's <laughs> going to be like. Not that it makes any difference. It's probably be a dead high scoring game. But has that affected your prediction now? That well, now, now you said it's going to rain. I'm, 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 I'm thinking. You know, it's it's all about the forward battle now, isn't it? It's all about yeah. Make sure you 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 get over the vantage line and 
um, kick deep and, and chase good and make sure you're forced never rather than if it was sunny and, and warm, you'd have fling the ball about, and, you know, like, um, you know, Highland Globetrotter stuff, Ryan. But now Paul's told us it's going to rain. It's it, it's a different game altogether. Yeah, it certainly makes a difference. Usually, you usually find when the you know it's a bit drier, the players will throw the ball around a bit more. But um, yeah, if it's raining, yeah, that probably does change your prediction slightly. I always usually think the better the weather, the more tries you score, and that is usually don't don't the case. change your prediction though, Ryan, because <laughs> I'm no Michael Fish. I mean, I'm just going off what it says on my phone, so that might change between now and Saturday. So. Uh... So yeah, don't be, don't be. I'm not the rain man or anything, so <laughs> might be a 30-28 win or something. You never know, do you? Cool. So thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Uh, another good podcast, Paul. Yeah, enjoyed it. Yeah, and I can't. I'm really looking forward to, to Saturday. I'm going up with my family, and that we've got um, some family in Newcastle. My wife's sister lives up there, so we're going to go and stay over the night. So taking the kids, the kids aren't coming to the game, so I'll be allowed to, allowed an hour off to go to the match and that. So yeah, really exciting. I just hope we can get the win and. Uh, Get back onto winning, winning ways. Yeah, another great podcast, Ryan. Really enjoyed it. It was. I've enjoyed it. I apologise about the rant, but I meant every word that I said. And if anyone from the RFL hears it, sort it out. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. You're not uh, going to be getting a Christmas card off Nigel Wood, Ryan, anyway. Oh, I don't want one. <laughs> it gets anyway, mate. <laughs> so, yeah. so thanks for listening to this week's pod- podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Devlin Detail, SRD. You can find us on Twitter, at DITD, SRD. And you can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and RLInternetRadio.com. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Ha, 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 ha.